Hello, and welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we discuss an off-forgotten installment in a franchise and see if you should check it out for yourself. I'm one of yours, Corey, and with me, I've got Liam. Daddy. That's your whole clip? Uh, well, your whole cl- quote? Well, I, I, I realized I forgot to take notes for this movie, and I, I only uh, remembered that I would have to say a quote right when you started, so that's all I could think of. They, they, right. she, it's a quote from the movie. It is. It is. Um, I have a quote from the movie as well. Uh, which I just forgot to pull up, which is, if you think I'm going to let some psycho dwarf destroy what I have built, you're mistaken. <laughs> That's good. Uh, yeah. So Mitch, unfortunately, uh, has activated his sometimes clause. Uh, he's not going to be with us today. He is, in fact, stuck in an Estonian psychiatric institute, which is a bit of a hurdle to podcasting. Hopefully he can break out by next week. I've heard it's possible to get out of those places. It ain't yeah, easy, but it's, it's possible. It's more doable than you might think. <laughs> and for, but it is, it's especially more doable if you happen to uh, look like a child. Right, yeah. If you look like a child with the capacity to murder. Yeah, um, so that means that, Cor- Corey and I would be more likely to break out of this place than Mitch. Yeah, I've got just below the surface of just a nice unassuming person. I've got like a blood-curdling rage. <laughs> so <laughs> so i'm fucking ready to go man you know what else i'm fucking ready to talk about oh dude mm. talking about first of all new movie we don't do that all the time yeah it's pretty new yeah yeah what we're is pretty, a, a, a month old by the time yeah. this comes out we are pretty on time for this one and it is none other than orphan first kill a movie with the least correct title i can think of that we've maybe ever talked about yeah, there's no way. There's no way. In fact, I, I remember when it was announced that this was the official title, because they did some back and forth. I thought, oh, I, I mean, I know. I've heard it's going to be a prequel, so that's kind of cool. We're going to see... Uh, it's going to be like a Rob Zombie Halloween thing. We're going to see her as a really young kid starting to uh, discover her dark side, and she's going to kill an animal or something. But no, no, no. She the By the time she started this movie, I guarantee you that... The first kill has gone and went. She's had to have been on, like, I don't know, 92nd kill, maybe? Yeah, she is so ready to kill at any given time that I simply don't believe that the name first kill could possibly be correct. And the movie almost immediately implies that it is not. Right, yeah, yeah. It's not It's not even we're looking too deep into it. It's like uh, the movie, it, it wants you to know that the title is um, a misnomer. Maybe it really revealed later on. Maybe it's kind of like um, Scream 5, how it was just called Scream, and then they made fun of it. Maybe we're going to get another sequel, and then that one will be like Orphan First or Kill, and it will be the album. <laughs> so. Yeah, it really does feel like they got all the way through making a movie, and then they were like, fuck, we didn't call it anything. Yeah, we didn't. Fuck, we didn't think that far ahead. Oh, I, shit. I didn't know we get this far. They were like walking into the marketing department with like the final cut ready to like do some like trailer prep, and they were like, "Yeah, just call it whatever you think of, <laughs> just whatever comes to mind." Um, but yeah, we were talking about Orphan First Kill, which I was very excited to do, and um, I think at some point we will have to try to get Mitch's take on it. I don't know if he even had a chance to get to it quite yet, but uh, we'll rectify that at some point in the future, hopefully. But uh, as a baseline, uh, to find out what's up with the orphan's first kill, first we should figure out what's up with the orphan. 
And uh, Liam, that's not a movie that I have actually seen. But if I remember correctly, because you were the person who picked this movie, you're you're a bit of an orphan guy. I am a huge orphan <laughs> guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I love that original movie. It's from 2009. And I have a vivid memory of seeing the poster for Orphan at the front of my small town movie theater. I don't think I saw the movie at the theater. Um, but I remember seeing the poster and I was just like captivated. It was just this this girl's face and she looks weirdly symmetrical and it just kind of has this creepy lettering to it. And I thought, what the heck? could that be that seems awesome and i don't even remember the first time i saw the movie um even though by 2009 you know i was deep into my my horror movie watching so you would think i would remember because i can remember seeing movies for the first time long before that but i don't um i just remember uh loving this movie um and i can remember you know different times i've watched it i remember watching it on my my family computer. I remember uh, getting it on DVD. I remember showing it to my nephew a few years ago. I knew I thought- that was going to come up. There was a zero percent chance that you were going to be like, and then I showed it to a child. That's- <laughs> <laughs> he's he's got to learn not to not to trust any of those kids in his school. They might not be what they seem. Um, so if if anyone hasn't seen the original orphan movie um it's got a it's a it's a great movie i really think it is it's honestly one of my favorite horror movies like i give it a 10 out of 10 i think it's certainly one of the best of the 2000 era um it it has garnered what seems to be a cult following in the last few years which i think is awesome uh, because for a while there it was sort of just a a forgotten run-of-the-mill 2000s uh, horror movie so if you haven't seen orphan I, I really would suggest checking it out even if you're not um a horror movie person i think it's a it's a good drama it's a great story it's got a great snowy atmosphere to it a really wicked uh, child performance there um w- with the titular orphan isabel Furman. um and so i would check it out and uh and then, you know, I, I would continue with this episode because we'll spoil that original movie, even though Corey hasn't seen it. He, he kind of knows what happens in it. And if he didn't, he would have gathered it from this movie. So we're going to spoil the original Orphan and we're going to spoil Orphan First Kill. Um, yeah. So I would recommend catching up on them. It is worth clarifying. If you decide to just jump into Orphan First Kill, if you happen to be hearing this first, it is not precious at all about just being like, it essentially has a scene that is just if you didn't see Orphan, here's what you need to know. Yeah, as it sh- as it should. I think I think that's the right way to go about it. And um, I think it's really sweet that this movie has a sequel. It's it's really unexpected because um, the original Orphan ends with a you know some finality. It's it's not Halloween Michael Myers where he he's on the ground one second and then he's gone the next. No. Um is this a sequel? I thought it was a it prequel. is it is a it's a prequel. Yeah it is a prequel. And okay. so so when I learned that that it was gonna be a prequel, um I, I was fascinated, but again, very strange because I'll come out and say I'll say the twist now so we'll all be on the same page. The twist in the original Orphan movie is that this uh, evil little girl who has been adopted from an orphanage by a a well-to-do family, she is revealed to be a a woman in her early 30s who just has a form of dwarfism that makes her look like a child. So she's not actually a child. so we have this child actress who is about 10 years old, but she is playing a woman 
who is pretending to be a child. And this woman uh, is very murderous. And this, this is all revealed in the last in the third act. And then that woman child orphan, uh, her name is Esther. That she, woman child she, orphan. Uh, she gets killed, man. She gets her neck snapped. Oh, and really? She, oh, yeah. That part. Yeah, she gets her oh, neck shit. snapped and uh, sinks into some icy water. There is an alternate ending that exists that they must have flirted with. You can find it online. It's on the DVD where she doesn't die and um, she uh, presumably gets apprehended by police. It's a really creepy scene where she's all cut up and bloody and she puts her orphan costume back on and uh, walks downstairs where the police have swarmed the, the house and she introduces herself to them. So if they had gone with that ending, then a sequel would make sense. But that's not the ending they went with theatrically. It's not the ending everyone knows. Um, Damn. And so so she dies at the end of Orphan. And so when a sequel was announced, I thought, how the hell are they going to do that? And then it was announced that it was a prequel. Maybe that happened at the same time. I don't know. And, and, and then I was like, how the hell are they going to do that? Because... The reason the original Orphan and that twist works is that the actress is a 10-year-old. She looks like a child. And so when it's revealed, she's and actually is a, a child. At yeah. the t- like the, the human person is a child. Yeah. So for that twist to work, you know, she's got to look like a child. And so if you're now doing a prequel um, thir- coming out 13 years later, the fact is that even though that child has now grown up into a woman and she is playing a woman, she has to look like a child. In fact, she has to look younger than she did at 10 years old because it takes place before the events of the first movie. And so when they said it was going to be a prequel, it sounded so ridiculous and to me awesome and so Corey and i have kind of been making jokes about it because Corey knows the the main twist of the first movie um and so we ju- we have just kept joking and kind of sending each other like uh how do you do fellow kids memes you know where like steve buscemi looks like uh he's trying to fit into a high school and he looks 60 um and just making different jokes about uh how the hell are they going to make this woman look like a child? And and there's been a few press releases over the last couple of years where like they've said that they're not going to use CG. They're going to use forced perspective and stunt doubles and and, uh, and that's what camera they do, angles. Just and, to be clear, what they do in the movie is they shoot her really low in the frame or really far away. And if it's ever the full body, it is either, again, far away or a child whose face you cannot see. Oh, just so that is like so niche and weird to me. And and <laughs> so doing weird. doing a, a prequel sequel to the original Orphan is also niche. Like it was a successful movie, and and people do know it. I mean, um, a lot of my friends and uh, just you know people that I've grown up with, they they remember the movie, and it and it has become qu- quite popular. But it's still. Um, it's still a very strange movie to, to sequelize and it's not necessarily, uh, you know, it's not The Conjuring or something. It didn't have that many people go to see it. And so this is has just felt like a weird, cool passion project for horror fans and, and um, for this child actress to come back. She's kept acting, but, but I haven't seen her lead a movie in a, in a, 
in a good long while. She was in the Hunger Games movies, and I saw her in a teen comedy a couple years ago called Good Girls Don't Get High. And so, so she's around, and I know she has been, but for her to come back and now play a child version of herself again, it's just so strange. And so I, and, and I had to see this movie. It's really cool that the actress was down. Like, yeah, especially because like so on, the, on the one hand, if you were a child when you made it and now you're an adult, maybe you think it's lame now. That's entirely possible. But on the other hand, just like, hey, do you want like essentially what you're asking this person is, do you want to be known for this for the rest of your life? Right. Because it's crazy. It is a wild, weird thing to do. So essentially what you have to get the person on board for is like, hey, people are going to be asking you about doing this until you die. Are you interested in doing that? And she was down, which is wild. It is. It is really cool. I think at this point, you know, even if they didn't do this, uh, this, this installment, I think she would be known for that role. But I think that if you come back and do it again, then you're embracing that you're going to be known for that role. You know, yeah. a lot of a lot of actors they'll do an initial movie that they get really popular for, especially child actors, and then they'll try to take roles that break away from it and they might not talk about that original movie um and so for her to embrace it is really cool i listened to an interview with the director um and when this project came to him uh the script had already been written and then the project came to him and uh he um he reached out to the the actress who plays Esther, Isabel Furman, and uh, wanted to get her opinion on it. And he said that he he wasn't going to ask her to be in the movie. He didn't feel comfortable doing that because um, I don't I, actually I don't even know that he said why, but he said he didn't feel comfortable asking her. And so when she suggested that she would come back, he thought, "Oh, that's amazing! I'm going to have her." And I, to me, I I thought that was really cool. I read it as he felt like it wasn't his place to have this grown woman who um, did this thing when when she was a child. He didn't want to pull her back into it and uh, and you know make her make that decision. Um, I, I think it's a it's a cool way to kind of give her ownership over this role um, and and ownership over like her her adulthood that she could make the decision as opposed to um, uh, him reaching out and asking her if she wants to do this thing that, that she used to do as a kid. So, so she is definitely down and she's listed as a producer on this movie. So I think it's really, really cool. Yeah. I, I hope to be able to lean into something that I liked when I was a kid that hard when I'm an adult. Granted, I don't know if anybody's going to ask me like if I want to make like a sequel game to the video game Rumble Racing or something. But if anybody's interested, <laughs> I was a fan then and I'm a fan now. Um, so I'm going to give the loose plot of this without the spoiler of the right, twist of this movie. This movie also has a spoilerific twist. Um, so we're going to set yeah. up the movie. We're going to do cast and crew. We will give our initial thoughts and then we have to say what happened. It is impossible to talk about the movie without saying it. So we will do as much as we can before then. But if you don't want to hear it at a certain point, you'll just have to stop. Um, I won't make it clear when that is. But this movie starts in an Estonian psychiatric institution. And we are following a, a woman named Lena who... Uh, 
appears to be a nine-year-old child, but is in fact a 31-year-old woman and is known and has a reputation for being sort of like violent and threatening and kind of like the biggest uh, issue in this institution. The opening actually reminded me a lot of Leatherface, I think maybe just because we watched it recently. Um, sure, yeah, yeah. They, they both start in these um, kind of rural, dreary... Mental yeah, institutions. and then new staff, and then something bad happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so the long and short of that is that there's a new staff member, and uh, Lena sort of uses her cunning to set up a situation where she is able to escape uh, by leveraging some of the other patients and also uh, killing a staff member and then getting out. Uh, she then sneaks into a car and follows another person who works their home kills that person and basically squats in her apartment while finding postings for missing children that she might look like. And she finds one for a girl named Esther introduces herself to the police as such and is brought to the United States from Russia now to like rejoin with this family. And so the the tension that you get is this family's been through this horrible tragedy and they thought that their daughter was going to be gone forever or was probably dead. And they're like, oh, wow, like she's actually back. Like we can't believe and they start to try to readjust. Um, But the parents or at least one of the parents, the mom is a little bit suspicious and things start to get a little bit contentious between the mom and the and Esther and also the police seem a little not sold on the whole situation and so then we have to see like what comes of that like is she going to make this uh pretend identity stick or what might come of that from the family is the family going to find out and that's where i'll stop for now because then a big twist happens and i won't say what it is uh but i will talk about the cast and crew of this movie which includes somebody that we've seen before Director William Brent Bell, best known perhaps for Brahms, The Boy 2. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that movie. Um, A bad movie. Corey and I were not fans, but I I do like the original The Boy, which he uh he also did. So um I wasn't I wasn't coming into this thinking this guy was going to wrong me. He he has one he has one hit and one miss for me, so I was kind of ready to go. This was his big chance. Mhm. Uh, this is a good sign. Uh, this movie has like four writing credits. So, uh, the screenplay is by David Cogshaw, who wrote, uh, The Haunting in Connecticut 2, Ghosts of Georgia. Don't know why you wouldn't just say The Haunting in Georgia, but who am I? You need that name recognition. That's so funny. Yeah, The Haunting in Connecticut 2, Ghosts of Georgia. (laughs) Um, he also wrote a movie called Prey that isn't the new movie Prey. Not to be confused, and he worked briefly on the TV series for Scream, which comes up a lot on this podcast now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. A lot of people have come and gone from that show. I really need to check it out. I'm sure I'll see someone I like. Yeah. Uh, the story is by David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick, wow. who yeah worked on uh, Orphan 1, uh, The Conjurings 2 and 3, both Aquaman movies. Um, And then also Alex Mace, who worked on the original Orphan. And then Alex Mace also gets a based on the characters created by credit. Um, The editor is Brett Dittar, 
We've talked about him before. He's done some William Brent Bell stuff, including Brahms, The Boy 2. The cinematography is by Kareem Hussein, who I thought maybe we had talked about before. Seemed familiar, but we actually haven't, I don't think. Uh, Worked on Hobo with a Shotgun, The ABCs of Death, Possessor, Seance, the 2022 remake of Firestarter, and a an Alexis on Fire music video. <laughs> oh, nice. Canadian. Yeah, love that. Uh, Josh Etchier did the music. He worked on... I wrote these two movies down because IMDb said I had clicked on them before and I couldn't remember why, but Tales of Halloween and The Standoff at Sparrow Creek. We've talked about those at some point. Tales of Halloween is cool. It's like an anthology uh, Halloween horror movie. It's fun. Nice. And then core cast we're looking at isabel Furman, who we've talked about playing esther uh also aside from the hunger games you can see her in escape room 2 and also children of the oh, corn yeah. 2009 oh i didn't know that that would have been prime orphan time could have been yeah she's Absolutely. also in what i think is the worst stephen king adaptation it's called cell samuel l yeah. jackson is in it and john cusack and uh man what a letdown not a great, really not bad. A great time. Really bad, and I and I, I I quite like the book. Um, it's not it's not a it's not a favorite of mine of the book. So I was kind of, I, I wasn't necessarily. I was expecting more from the movie. I I was expecting more, just a <laughs> bit more, and it gave a lot less. Damn. Yeah. Uh, there's also, uh, two body doubles. There's nice. Kennedy Irwin and Sadie Lee are both young Esther body doubles. Kennedy Irwin specifically has a credit as young Esther. I'm assuming that was maybe for like the photos and stuff of the actual kid. I don't it know. It must be. Yeah, it must be. Uh, yeah. So uh, so if those are children, um, you know, and not just uh, um, adults who who uh, who aren't tall, who are short, um, then uh, that might mean that like if orphan was remade or if orphan was just made today they would maybe they would have played esther you know could be different timeline uh julia styles plays trisha who is the mom uh she's in 10 things i hate about you and the born identity and uh silver linings playbook and also the born sequel whatever it was one of those um yeah she gets around for sure uh rossif sutherland plays alan who is the dad he was in possessor as well um, and also a movie called Hyena Road. Hiro Kanagawa plays Inspector Donnan. You've probably seen this guy in a bunch of shit. Uh, he was in Altered Carbon, The Man in the High Castle, iZombie, Star Trek Discovery, briefly on Smallville. He's in Godzilla 2014. He's in a few Mobile Suit Gundam video games. He is on exactly one episode of Inuyasha. And he was in Josie and the Pussycats. <laughs> That's a lot of stuff, and I feel like I've I've just managed to weave my way around him at every turn. Yeah, um, Matthew Finlan plays Gunner, who is the brother. He's in a movie called Jingle Bell Princess, and also was on an episode of Murdoch Mysteries. So there's some more Canadiana for you. Speaking of Murdoch Mysteries, Samantha Walks plays Doctor Seeger. She was also on Murdoch Mysteries. Man, yeah. Uh, guess where this movie was shot. <laughs> I know, actually. I know. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to get into that. Yeah. Um, Dave Brown plays Dr. Nov- Navaroy. Navari, sorry. Uh, he was on Channel Zero uh, at, and also on Friday the 13th of the series. Mm, nice. 
uh, Lauren Cochran and Gwendolyn Collins, also both on Channel Zero. So that's another big credit for this uh, segment. And then we've got Alec Carlos as Mike, who's one of Gunner's friends. I mentioned him in a large part because he's in two things we should do on the show. He is in Tales from the Hood 3. He is also in Bring It On, Cheer or Die. Yeah, is that out yet? Um, I thought so because that's bring that's like the newer on. one right that's yeah. gonna be a, sl- a slasher guy bring it on cheer or die i thought it was maybe it's not this doesn't look like it's out this does not appear to be out well then we can do another new movie in the future we'll yeah, get there's on not it. even there's not even a sci-fi brings first images of unlikely slasher sequel that was on august 31st so they only just put like pictures out yeah, we'll get on it. We'll, yeah, no, we dude, have we're going to get to a point. To. We're going to get to a point where we got to orphan first kill and bring it on stage Cheer cheering or die. or die screaming. We're going to get there before we got to scream uh, five. Yes, probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably. Life life takes us down funny roads sometimes. Wait, no, we did scream five. We did, but it, it took many months. I'm saying we're gonna get we're gonna get bring oh, it on our, hot our pace off the presses. Faster, yeah. yeah. Um, that's it. So first things first. Uh, before we spoil the movie and blow the doors off this thing, Liam, did you like it? I did. I did really like it. Um, I was very entertained by what I thought what I was going to be entertained by, which is the. Uh, forced perspective um which actually isn't as jarring or like surreal as i thought it would be i th- it, it actually came across as pretty natural to me whereas i was picturing it would be something like um there's a scene in like eternal sunshine of the spotless mind where where jim carrey um is like in he's looking massive in a kitchen because he's supposed to be playing a child, but he is himself. And like all the furniture is huge. I was picturing something that like looked really visually strange. I thought they were going to do that too, but it, it, but it did, it didn't have that. Like this very much was, um, uh, they were just trying to make, um, Esther fit in as much as possible. Um, and, and I thought it looked really good. And I thought that, um, the uh the filter that they have on the movie it's sort of like a rupaul's season one drag race filter where it's just very blurry and soft looking it's the softest focus (laughs) of any movie ever created by human hands you could touch this movie and it would just crumble um i i thought that was pretty charming i kind of thought that it felt like a uh um a mid-2000s low budget kind of creepy movie that you don't know what you're in for like you just pulled it out of the bin and it and it has this soft feeling to it i think a lot of the 2000s horror movies kind of have that tint to them and i think the purpose was was definitely to uh soften isabel Furman's um features just because she is now 12 years older but i i thought it was a clever way to um uh commit to this idea and and not have her stand out as much and i thought that it made the movie kind of feel unique and and uh a little bit like a a fairy tale or something um 
And I'm kind of surprised I felt that way because like I've said before that the Scream 4 filter really bothers me. It's, it's a similar filter actually where it's like bright and, and, and washed out and has this kind of soft tint to it. But here I like it um, because we're working with a lot of dark colors, a lot of nighttime, and because... I know that Isabel Furman is older and I know why they're trying to do it. Then it um, it kind of just made me settle into this weird little movie that I knew was going to be weird. I'd, I'd be very curious to see this movie with someone who doesn't know about the original Orphan movie at all. Not just the twist, but like doesn't sit know some some random person down and be like hello would you like to watch orphan first kill yeah like would they be able to tell that there's something weird going on and that this uh, uh this um i i don't think woman they would, is older than she should look i don't think they would be able to guess but they would say that something looked weird yeah i i think it's fair to say that it looks weird i i would just say that you you forget about it really fast yeah yeah but it does but it does look weird yeah, so that was that was all really cool, and that was where mo- most of my expectations were with this movie. I was kind of just drawn to that weirdness factor, and so that worked out for me. And beyond that, I think that the story this movie tells is oh so God. cool and strange. Um, it, it feels like like a, a movie that you take off like a the deepest wall at a video store. You see the poster, and you're like, "What could this possibly be? I haven't heard of this." And you put it on. And it's just so strange and you can't really believe what you've seen. It, it, it sort of reminds me of um, a movie that came out uh, last year called um, Malignant uh, by James Wan. I got to see that. Yeah. Twitter was loving Malignant. Yeah, I, w- I won't tell you what happens in that movie in case you or anyone else doesn't know. But it's a similar thing where the first two acts feel kind of strange and like there's something um off that that is going to make this movie uh not like other movies and you can't tell if the movie is doing it intentionally and i'm talking about both orphan first kill and malignant here and then the third act happens and you're like oh yeah this is not the movie i thought it was going to be these filmmakers are up to something i need to rewatch the first Boy, two acts they? of this movie um and so it's it's just really peculiar and i love that about it i think it's a really fun ride i really like the acting um and i think that the third act makes you ma- made me even reconsider some performances that i thought I wasn't liking because um, it put them in a different context. Um, I think the kills are really cool. Uh, even though we didn't get to see the first kill, there is there's there is a first kill in this movie, but it's definitely not the orphans' first kill. Um, but I think I think the kills are cool. There's some really brutal stuff in here. Um, I really really like the story at the heart of it. I mean, that's that's what I most got to emphasize. I, I think it is so impressive that my biggest takeaway from this movie isn't you got to see this movie to see how they made the adult look like a child. Um, I think the biggest takeaway is you've got to see this movie because the script takes you to absolutely wild places. And that's so cool to me. I think even if this wasn't um a prequel or a sequel like if this was totally separate from orphan and they just tweaked it a bit and and made this a separate script and this movie came out i think people would still be talking about it in a similar fashion um just because it is it is so 
strange on its own feet. And I think the fact that it is in the Orphan franchise uh, is just a bonus for me. I think it's so cool that they expanded on that original classic horror movie to me. Like, I really do think the original Orphan is like a modern horror masterpiece. I think 30 years from now, it'll be talked about and considered a classic. You got to see this horror movie for kids. Um, Not that it's a kid's horror movie, but I mean like for, for horror fans, for young horror fans that haven't seen things from that time. Um, And I think this kind of slots right in there with it. I don't love it as much as the first one, just because I think the first one feels a bit more grand um, in its cinematography. I think the budget shows, I think that first one had a bigger budget. And I think the first one, the actual climax, not the twist, but the climax where you know everyone's fighting and and we get some final set pieces i think those feel a bit bigger and um and more well paced than this one i i felt here that the climax came up on me a bit quickly i think the movie could have been a bit longer um but all in all i think this is an awesome uh movie let alone an awesome prequel and I am really excited by it and I'm glad that I bought it online so that I can watch it again and again until eventually um, Amazon takes it away from me because uh, you know I bought it but I don't have it physically so it's uh, do I really own it I don't know you don't no no um, I'll make mine fast because uh, a lot of what I want to say hinges on knowing what the twist is and you've already teed it up. So if anybody is wondering if I liked this movie or not, absolutely. <laughs> Woo! Oh, yeah. Uh, this movie's fucking crazy. And um, beyond some of the cool visual elements that Liam talked about and just this sort of general sense of they don't really make them like this anymore uh, when it comes to horror movies, which again, I also think is in a large part thanks to the twist um oh my god the twist is fucking crazy i think that's the thing that i got the most out of it is just that like they really went for something absolutely wild and um i'm gonna say what that is now so we can we can start discussing it you're gonna say the twisteroo yes okay this is your warning (laughs) so (sighs) the mom has been suspicious of esther since she showed up in fact she had been telling the dad repeatedly like she won't be coming back like you gotta get over it like we just you need to you know like find the strength to just like move on and you're thinking like that's a pragmatic approach after four years and it's a small child i would understand that um And then when Esther comes back, the mom really doesn't get it. And you're like, why is the mom so suspicious? How can the mom see through this ruse so easily? Like, and you know, there are moments where Esther admits to like not doing a perfect job with a ruse where like she's getting details wrong and is trying to learn to get it more correct. But then once the police get on Esther's tail and the detective discovers that she is in fact, not the same kid, Esther is conveniently there, uh, Uh, in time to murder him but then the mom arrives and finishes the job on the cop and you're like wait what the fuck why why would she do that why is she doing that and so the reason that she is doing that is because she knew that esther would never come back because 
she and the brother covered up the fact that Esther did not go missing. She died. The brother accidentally killed Esther and she died. And so they had kept that fact from the husband and we're just going to roll with like, yeah, she went missing. What a loss and move on and just never tell anybody. So now Esther's arrival has created this weird wrinkle and because the mom now holds all the cards because Esther being Esther is all that she has when it comes to like being in America, the mom and the brother are like, you're fucked. Like you have to do anything that we ask you now or we will out you so fucking fast or we'll just kill you. So Esther has to spend all this time going along with it even more than she ever would have expected and trying to like play this part and seeing what she can do to get out of this situation because she may be a murderous grown woman that looks like a child, but she is now surrounded by people who know her secret and are also willing to kill. Amazing. Holy shit, dude. Amazing. What? I think what like, the fuck? <laughs> beyond beyond the logistics of um the Esther actresses grown up, how are they gonna make another oh movie God. of this how are they going to make a prequel of this beyond that i kept thinking how are they going to make a prequel to orphan because we've already seen the idea of this this child um who is 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 a grown woman wants to get adopted by a family is actually murderous the family is going to figure out and then she's going to kill them and she's going to move on to the next family. How are they going to make a prequel to this? They already did the wildest, coolest thing they could do. I, even when that first orphan movie came out, I also have a memory of driving in the car with my mom. This movie, um, I don't know if we had seen ads or people were talking about it, but it was in theaters at the time. Or maybe maybe it was before it was in theaters and we were seeing uh, previews for it. And I said to my mom, I thought it was so smart as like an 11-year-old. And I said, Mom, I bet you what's going to happen in this movie is that this orphan is going to get adopted by this family. She kills the family and now she's an orphan again. And she gets moved on to the next family. I was like, that's a horror movie. No one would expect that. It's a, it's a child killing their parents. That's what the movie is, Mom. I saw the movie. And that, that's not what it, it appears to be that. And then the wrench gets thrown in the third act. And you're like, holy shit. And this movie somehow accomplishes what I thought was an impossible feat. Which is to take... Uh, the um, full story from the first movie that we think has been wrung out of every twist that it could have. And it gives us another one that to me doesn't feel rote and it doesn't feel like it's trying to one up the original. Um, it feels so natural and believable and scary and cool and I think it makes for a great origin story prequel. Like, I think after watching this movie, then you go and watch the original film. I haven't done that yet, but I've seen it enough times to know that with this in mind, now thinking about her going to this other family and having the whole thing sort of happen again, um, I think is just is incredible. I think this is incredible writing. Um I think it is amazing that they managed to keep this hidden from the public. Um, 
I, I just think it's it's such a cool reveal and it is also so deep and heartfelt and scary thematically. I mean, it's not hard for me to believe that something like this would happen. And so I just think it's 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 a master stroke what they did. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's hard to not just talk about the twist because the twist is unlike anything I feel like I've seen in years but also something that's worth considering is how mean-spirited this fucking movie is and I feel like um, we don't get a lot of movies all the time that are willing especially horror movies like i feel like in the past it was much more common to just sort of get a movie that is just sort of like fucked up and weird and has like gnarly shit in it just kind of because it can and it's not necessarily trying to like teach me a lesson or make a thematic statement it's just kind of fucked up for the sake of being a little fucked up uh and that's what this feels like it feels like this movie is weird and cynical and shitty because it was fun to make a movie that was weird and cynical and shitty. And um, I think that's a very welcome change of pace to just have a movie that's just like up to some wild shit. And that's the entire goal. Yeah, it, it is. It is a really refreshing uh, viewing experience. And I think it um, has enough heart in it from, from a few different characters that, it doesn't feel soul sucking, you know. It doesn't feel too nihilistic. I didn't feel drained. Like it, it, it feels. Uh, it has this sense of fun to it, and it also really has this sense of heartbreak. You've got this father character um, yeah. who has no idea what has happened to his daughter. He, he um, is totally out of the loop as to what his wife and his son know, and he. Uh, thinks he has his daughter back um and that's a heartbreaking story and then i think this also does a really cool thing um that is a is a fine line because i often have trouble in movies when a movie is trying to get me to sympathize with someone who i think is detestable and this movie really did make me sympathize with Esther. And I think it is uh, really, really neat that they kind of turn her into this anti-hero in the third act because she has been one-upped by some people who are arguably worse than her. I mean, I think it uh, it, it brings up some some moral questions, you know, where uh, this 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 guy has this teenager this boy has killed his own sister the mom has covered it up um and left her husband hanging with that heartbreak for years and is willing to kill in order to keep that lie going um and esther is just this woman who is she's living with this um with this condition that is making it a lot harder for her to live and uh you can you can kind of gather that she is just looking for love and she's looking from love from um from an adult man that's a that's a through line in both movies where um uh she she wants uh to feel to feel loved by someone who is you know her age but no one can see her that way uh because of her condition and um 
I think it is it's just it's really cool the way that this movie plays with um what you think you know about characters and uh what these characters have done and and whether they're they're good or not or whether their decisions can be understood i think it's 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 really neat and i think that it it is really a spiritual successor to that first movie because i think the first movie also does that in that first movie um you've got a husband who has cheated on his wife and so even though he's the one who has taken in this adopted child and is is um able to um feel closer to her quicker um he has this flaw about him um and he has this trauma that he's put his wife through and his wife is also an alcoholic who at one point passed out and her uh, biological daughter almost died because of it because she was passed out and so there's this really interesting uh just depth of character there um and i think this movie does a similar thing and just takes it to the nth degree. And I think it is, it's just so clever. Yeah. Yeah. There's this, there's a lot, there's a lot going on over here. And it does feel kind of miraculous that the movie narratively and like character wise has so many moving pieces that, (laughs) that, um, you just sort of stop thinking about the way they had to make it, which is in that very strange way of, you know, sort of forced perspective and very soft focus and very odd framing. Like it's almost doing like a lot of the way that they shoot Esther to try to make sure that Isabel Furman looks small is like, just put her in the corner of the frame and make it really, really close. But then at one of the dinner scenes, even to sort of match that. So it's not like really jarring looking across the whole scene. They do it to every character. And I feel like weird camera work decisions like that also help communicate just how off the feeling must be like in that house through this adjustment period. And certainly once you learn that, you know, the brother and the mom know a lot more than they were initially able to let on, like it gives this very weird, like dread sense of like, this is not going to work. Like everything here feels wrong. And it, it feels miraculous that there's enough going on in the movie that our whole discussion doesn't end up just sort of being like, wow, I can't believe they made this movie and it. And it's like this, you know, like, there's so much more there, which I just think is kind of surprising. Yeah. I really thought the hook of this movie was, was just going to be the, um, how they're going to work around, uh, Isabel Furman's age. And that was sort of what all our jokes were about the last year. And so I'm so glad that this movie just shoved me on my ass and, uh, um, was like, no, this, this is an actual movie. We got something to say here. Um, I got a whole lot of joy out of um, watching Isabel Furman play the adult character the whole time. You know, she has these scenes where she's pretending to be a kid, of course. But um, unlike the majority of the first movie, the audience is in on the trick, you know. Um, And so that sort of makes uh, the 
the movie worth it even without the twist i think i and i hadn't considered that beforehand that we're gonna see um uh this character and we're gonna know she's an adult and so we're gonna be let into that window because in in the last act of orphan once it's revealed that she's a grown woman uh the actress uh, who was a child at the time, which is just amazing, gets to do some really cool stuff and she becomes really scary. And she actually, even just the way she walks and uh, the, the way her face looks like more stern, it's, it's an amazing performance. She really does kind of carry that, that gravitas of a, of an adult and of a deranged adult. And I think that she does it again in this movie. And I think it's also amazing to see her playing a kid as an adult. It's really it's just an amazing inverse of the first movie. You know, in some ways it's brilliant that they didn't do the, a sequel or a prequel to this movie two years after the original movie came out. The fact that this is the opposite of the first movie where it's an, an adult playing what should be a child um, as opposed to a child playing what should be an adult is just, is, is, is so cool. Um, and I think it, it makes for a lot of really neat scenes. And I think, um, the twist of it just just takes it to the next level, you know, because um, I think if it were just a movie where we knew she was an adult the whole time, that that kind of takes the teeth away from it. Um, it. It robs it of its uniqueness. And so the fact that um, we get that and then we also get something extra is just is just awesome. Yeah, it's it's very it's very strange. And then it, it's weird going into the movie with the knowledge of like what's happening with the casting, because then you, you see the moments where she is playing as a kid. And I, I'm sure this is kind of an intentional like added layer, but you you can sort of see through the, it sort of feels like we're seeing like what the mom is seeing. Uh, Cause obviously the mom knows that like this shouldn't be happening, but like you, it, it works almost like it's it's cool seeing like it feels as though there's a process where she's trying to get it right still like and then seeing moments where she's trying to be like oh yeah like you can't wait to see grandma and they're like hey you know that your grandma died right she's like fuck god damn it like i fucked it up or she like talks to the bird when she shouldn't have talked to the bird because the, it was the wrong bird and not just like the mistakes, but even just like in the way that she's behaving, like, and of course, because there's like a child therapist in the movie and they're sort of saying like, Hey, she might be traumatized. Like some of it sort of sells it on just like she's readjusting, but there is this strange veneer to it all of like something does seem a little off. And then the way they present it all is very strange. Like when the mom first sees Esther in the first place, like she enters like an almost completely empty room at like a u.s embassy except it has a giant piano in it so just weird like uncanny moments like that are always kind of odd yeah and i think that this movie um does what the greatest twist movies do where when you watch it again or even when just when you think back to what you saw before the twist was revealed it 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 takes on a new meaning and, and you, it's like you could see a movie for the first time twice and that's one of those moments where um the mom sees esther for the first time i was so off put uh the the first time through um I thought that Julia Stiles, who I love, I think gives one of the best teen performances of all time in 10 Things I Hate About You. I I was like, she's really not selling this. Um, I don't feel her connection 
to this child at all. And the fact that the movie made me feel that way, but also didn't give me enough where I could like figure out the twist is, is, is so cool. Um, I thought that I was smarter than the movie and it wasn't the case at all that the, the, the performances and um, what Julia Stiles doing was doing there was, it was, it was actually perfect you know she sees her child again and she's horrified but she also can't reveal that because her husband is right there and um it's 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 so cool there's it made me think of um a movie a documentary from 2012 it's called the imposter it's a really cool documentary and what it's about is um this uh sort of con man uh an adult man who pretends to be um the grown up boy who disappeared from an american family i think he he's french he's a he's a french adult and he uh pretends that he um the same thing as this movie he pretends that he's he's the he's the boy who went missing and and he's not he's he's just some french dude and they interview him in the movie you get to hear his perspective this isn't just a a story about everyone talking about um how he did it he he talks about it himself he talks about why he did it and um and how he managed to trick the family and it also talks about maybe the family wasn't tricked but they just wanted to believe so badly um and it's just this really interesting bit of human nature and the, the movie had me thinking about that as well um uh because it seemed so obvious to me that there's something going on here that um, Esther likely isn't who she said she is. Um, and so it made me believe the dad who buys all the way in. And then it also made me um, sort of understand why like the brother was being so callous to her. But I understood that even, even less. That, that seemed a bit over the top to me. And then so when the twist was revealed... And we learn exactly why he's being uh, so callous to her because he knows that it's not actually his sister. There's just so many cool like meta layers at work in this movie in relation to um, the real world and, and the ages of these actors and stuff. And also um, in relation to that first movie and the way that the first movie operates. It's just a really cool uh, bit of filmmaking. My gosh. Yeah. And I feel like both the performances that we get from the mom and the brother, once the turn actually happens, do a really good job of just being like, oh, no, they're fucked up too, man. Like, this is not a good situation for anybody. And I think in contrast to the performance that you get from the dad, who is just a genuinely just heartbreaking figure, just a guy who's trying (laughs) and gets to feel joy again, and it's just taken away from him as as frequently as humanly possible like it just it just sucks and but seeing that that dynamic between everybody is really is really interesting and he's sort of like unknowingly caught in the middle of it yeah it's it's such a cool dynamic it's a sort of dynamic that you know i can't really think of um 
being explored in any other movies off the top of my head. It, it feels so unique. And I also like the side characters that are running around too. Um, and the first movie has that as well. You've got some characters who might be on to Esther and are trying to figure her out. We've got the this inspector in this movie um, who is like uh, trying to find things with her fingerprints and run DNA on her. And I liked following that through. I thought that that um, is a nice little bit of a horror mystery um, and a bit of like a dramatic irony. And I think when he gets killed, um, it, it looks like he's going to get killed by Esther. And for that to be the moment where it's revealed that the mom is in on it and she kills him, it is like a pitch perfect way to reveal that because it it's not... It, it would have been so much uh, less impactful, but probably easier to write if the mom sat Esther down in a room and was like, I know you're not my daughter because my daughter is dead, right? And we just learned it from some dialogue or something. Um, but for it to be kind of parsed out where she kills the inspector, the mom kills the inspector. And so we're like, why the heck did she do that? That... Uh, I was exclaiming and I was saying like, what the fuck out loud? I, I still didn't get it, but the movie has revealed that there's something else going on. And then for it to be revealed throughout that scene, um, as she has suddenly switched personalities is just so cool. Yeah. It's really something I will say something you mentioned earlier is that the, the conclusion kind of comes out of nowhere. Mm hmm. I do, I do agree with that. I think if I had to complain about anything, it's like once the movie decides, like, okay, we're ramping it up now, it just goes, like, immediately. And it does feel like it, it really does rush through that and sort of it tees up some stuff where it's just, like... I'm still not even clear on, like, the logistics of, like, how that... Not that it matters, but, like, of how the dad got to the train station with them but then was able to get back despite the fact that they had left. And then he was, wasn't so far away enough that he made it back in time for this like house fire to be happening and this whole fight to have started. Um, and then like how rapidly that process plays out with like, they decide that they want to kill Esther and then, you know, they fight and they, there's like a struggle. Like it all does play out very quickly, which does feel like a bit when you're working with something that's so good. It's always you could have taken a little bit, a little bit more time. I think, um, yeah, yeah, I think so too. the The original Orphan is uh, just over two hours long. I don't know when the credits start, but the runtime is listed as two hours and three minutes, whereas the runtime of this movie is ninety nine minutes. That's a good length for a movie, but. Um, I wouldn't have minded just a bit of extra time there. Um, and But maybe time isn't even the issue. Like maybe it's just a bit of like uh, script tweaking and maybe like a bigger budget really might have helped because I think what this movie is mainly missing and it tries to do it um, with the burning house, but I think it's missing like a, a big epic set piece that really takes its time kind of like um the melting house of wax and house of wax um that titular house of wax um or Which, it, uh, is a dark castle entertainment movie i believe yeah, that was Which cool to see always, that logo dude, when, when i saw that logo story i'm like and i'm like this logo looks all jacked up like what the fuck is this pressure company and then when the name came up i was like oh shit <laughs> like 
Yeah, dude. And they did the first one too, so it, it's sweet that they uh the boys they, are they back in town. In the family. Yeah. Um what's what's another movie that does uh one of those big set pieces. Um, well, I, the, like the original Scream has it, right? Where you get to this house at the end and then it just lasts for like, uh, you know, you're there for like 45 minutes. Um, and, you know, it's not analogous. I, wouldn't, I don't want a 45 minute climax, but I, I felt that like once the battle started happening at the end here, and I really loved that kitchen fight between Esther and and uh, her mom. It's, Trisha. it's crazy watching a, <laughs> a, a a grown woman fight a grown woman that looks like a child. Yeah, that, it is. She oh. like throws her over the kitchen island, and it's Dude, so yeah, funny. that was awesome. I know from the teaser trailer to Halloween ends that there's going to be a, a michael myers laurie strode kitchen fight and it's going to be hard to top this for best kitchen fight of 2022 <laughs> the fact that that's even like that's such a specific category but <laughs> i know but when it was happening i was like this is awesome man. this is gonna it's gonna be tough to beat I, I like that and i also i i think the burning house is cool though maybe a bit um unsound it's... in terms of the believability because listen Gunner, the son, got killed with a crossbow, and this house is burning down, and Esther is the only one alive. Two of them are, uh, the mom and dad have died outside the house after dropping from the roof. Okay, maybe they tried to escape from the roof, and they fell, but their son has a freaking crossbow in his chest. Yeah, and then, like, and then they're the not firefighters gonna are going to be like, oh, you know, that's a burned body. And the, the, the arrow must have just fallen into him once uh, the fire those, started. Yeah, uh, spontaneous crossbow fires. Yeah, um, so I think it's... Uh, and that, and it just it does it just feels like it happens kind of quickly. Um, I'm also over fights that end in horror movies with having to climb onto the roof. Maybe it's because we've seen it happen about 600 times on this podcast. Yeah, it happened just last week. Slumber Party Massacre yeah, too. And I'm just like, guys, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a great movie. I get it. Not every horror movie climax has to include climbing onto the roof as a means of escape. Yeah, yeah. It just doesn't. You can do something else. It's totally fine. Nobody's going to say anything. I'm I'm kind of a sucker for the dangling off the roof thing though, which is kind of the big But it's so odd in this movie, isn't it? Like It's odd. And so the oddness, <laughs> I think, is also part of what made me feel like it was kind of rushed. So what we have here is we have Esther, uh, she was fighting with Trisha on the roof, the, the mom Trisha, and they end up both dangling off the edge of this very high roof where if they fall, they are, they are sure to die. They're both dangling off and the dad who doesn't know that Esther is either a grown woman or uh, not her, not his actual daughter. He still doesn't know. Yeah, he goes onto the roof. I don't think he roof. knows until the last possible second. <laughs> Yeah, so so why do you say that? Is that just because Trisha was yelling at him that like it's not Esther? Yeah, well, and like just at no other point do we get the impression that somebody else has given it away, mm -hmm. and he was like the most ready to believe that it was her anyway. Yeah. So not not until like the interaction itself, not just the fact that it's like high stakes and like the house is on fire, but like it's only within that where it becomes like that much more direct and like the way that Esther's behaving towards him is like more obviously weird beyond what the mom is saying. Yeah. Yeah. And so I would have liked for that to have been taken just a little bit 
further and for us to uh, get some sort of like tragic resolution right before the moment where um, what happens is uh, he sort of I get so they're both dangling they both want to be picked up right like Esther is saying you know dad lift me up I'm your daughter the mom is dangling and she's saying that's it's it's not Esther it's not your daughter and um, and and this is where I wish that just a bit more was done because the way I saw it was just that Trisha lost her grip and fell before Esther did. And I would have liked for there have to been like more of a decision made where it was clear that the dad was either hesitating to pick one of them. Yeah, was or- active in the in the outcome yeah or he like reached out his hand to esther um something like that whereas the way it played out it seemed to me like it 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 just happened to be that trisha couldn't hold on as long as esther which is pretty hilarious um and that the dad didn't really get a chance to even pick one of them like he's he he's there and looking at both of them for for a few seconds but um i didn't really feel like I had that moment of uh, of some sort of like decision um, that he then would pay for because what happens is the mom falls off, he pulls Esther up, and Esther pushes him off, which of course she does, and I think that's that's pretty awesome and and tragic. And so I wished that like there was just a little bit more there to be like, oh, dude, you made you made the wrong you made the wrong decision, bro. Yeah, or just like. A more direct realization. I know the dad's been through a lot, but just a more direct realization for him that, like, because in the context of what's happening, Trisha yelling, it's not Esther. Like, what, how would his brain even interpret that? So much other sure, shit is yeah. going on that it's like, he's gonna be like, what? Like, what are you, what are you talking? What do you mean? Like, having him to have to reckon with, like, actually realizing that, whether it's something that came up from, uh, like an interaction with the mom or like a little bit more time with Esther before something happened where he came off the roof that really sort of like brought it home. Yes, I, I agree. And that's, that's why I asked why you think that it's only in that last moment that he finds out. And you're right. It's because she's saying that it's not Esther, but the way I took it was that he didn't actually end up finding out and putting the pieces together because in that moment, it yeah, wouldn't really mean anything. Yeah, I guess that's what anything. I just said too. So I guess, yeah, yeah I guess you're kind of so right. I feel the same way. And I like it. <laughs> it's it's possible that you know anything a bit extra would have been more corny like i think it is pretty realistic that one of them just happened to fall it wasn't the one uh um uh like the one who who is going to push you off the building is unfortunately the one who managed to hold on um i think that's like it it's it feels i guess realistic but i kind of wanted more of like a movie like um, kind of an epic ending like even if he had pulled her up and um, and I feel so dumb like rewriting you know uh, a movie or dialogue or whatever but just for a blanket example something like he pulls her up and like they're and they're hugging and he says to her something like uh, what was mom talking about when he was saying that you're not Esther something like that and then that's when he she pushes him and um, 
in in the original movie, there's this really cool moment where um, the mom, played by Vera Farmiga, great actress, the mom goes under the the this pond of ice, which is where her her biological daughter um, almost died in the past when she was passed out, which is really cool, uh, really cool uh, character building. Um, they end up Esther and the the mom end up at this ice after fighting in the house and after fighting in this greenhouse and falling through the greenhouse ceiling, um, they end up at this ice. And so that's also sort of what I mean, where like that movie has a, a big set piece where you think it's over at this greenhouse and then you end up at this pond of ice and it still keeps going. Um, and they they break through the ice and they're they're fighting down there and uh, the mom manages to to hit Esther beneath the water and and crawl up through this hole. And her biological daughter helps the mom out of the hole. And um, suddenly, Esther pops out of the water and kind of Jason style and grabs the mom. Um, and she says something like, uh, um, Esther says like, "Mommy, I love you." Um, and then the mom says, I'm not your fucking mommy. And she boots Esther in the face and snaps <laughs> her neck. And I just, I guess I just sort of wanted something like that. Just some sort of big punctuation uh, to the, to this whole, uh, this, this whole fight and this whole, these like these characters yeah. and, Maybe and, that's and the Esther downside. pushing the dad didn't feel like enough to me. Maybe that's the downside of it being a prequel is like, it can't go too crazy because then the next scene is just like, I hope we get this orphan adopted. <laughs> <laughs> we got another. Oh, she's been in a. She's an orphan again. Oh no. Oh shit. Um. Yeah. I think. I also think we're being critical of that because the rest of it feels so good. Yeah. Oh yeah. You'd want it to all hit as well, like to the same extent. Yeah. Yeah. And it's. Um. I've still only seen the movie the once, and after one time, I'm at like a a nine out of ten on this movie and if if it had something like that at the end or if i watch it again and i end up loving all this other stuff even more um i'm not really stingy with my tens to be honest uh because i just i love shit and so like i could uh, this could end up reaching a 10 it's possible but i find it unlikely just because i really want that end to hit and i just i don't know that it hits all the way but i i still think it's it's uh satisfying and and makes sense in terms of you know getting rid of this family um and uh it's it sets up uh this burning building idea that then gets brought up again in the original orphan um it's it's revealed that she like uh paints in black light on the walls of her bedroom and so at one point the dad um turns on a black light uh of like an aquarium in esther's room and realizes that beneath all the cute little uh, paper paintings she has on her wall there are like paintings of murder and there's paintings of uh houses on fire and there are paintings of her as an adult woman uh cuddling naked with the dad it's it's really cool i and, can't and believe creepy. the blacklight thing is not originally from this movie yeah yeah i can't and believe I think that's a something they're just paying off 
and and it feels right because in the original movie it's it's not it's not explained explained you know it doesn't need to be explained but it's uh it's it's just a a, a factor of what she does and and is um um illustrative of like this hidden life that she's she's leading and this cleverness and so for her to learn about it here uh i think i think i thought it felt really natural yeah knowing that that's there that's a really cool moment because at first i was just like yeah that's a visually interesting thing for the dad to do i'll let that slide because i like it when movies look cool mm-hmm. yeah yeah it works both ways yeah I think it's interesting that both the director and Isabel Furman have said that they would be interested in uh, doing a sequel, um, doing other installments. And how? That's my question as well. But I also... They, they've got a very limited amount of time that they can work with this character now because Orphan exists. So I they, know. Like, did she get adopted twice? I know, I, dude. That seems unlikely. But after this movie, I'm not going to doubt them. Um, because I felt that after the first movie and all over this last year, these last couple years, actually, since we've heard that this movie was, was happening, I was like, what could they possibly do? And they pulled it off. And I think because of this sort of anti-hero swing that happens in the third act, and because I think it's so cool that this actress who played the character as a child is now down to lead the horror movie again, I think she's a really great presence on screen. I, I loved her performance. I loved seeing her struggling with these two identities. Um, I, I really do. I think she's a horror icon. And I would love to see more installments. I don't know what they would do. It doesn't make sense to me. And I think it's risky because how many times can you pull off what they pulled off? But, um, you know, the Scream movies keep doing it. Like Ghostface keeps killing people and people just keep putting on the Ghostface face. And you're like, how many times can they do this? But they keep doing it. Um, and so I, I would see I would see another one. And I would uh, I would trust in William Brent Bell. I mean, I got to say. He, you know, he's the boy. The boy, too. Two, two hits. Three. Two hits and, and only one miss. I will say this movie, because the boy, too, does have this same kind of weird uncanny quality and like awkward kind of family dynamic and slowness at times. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't work in that movie at all. But it does work here. Like they found something that at least plays to his strengths. Yeah, no, it's it, it's it's awesome. I mean, I think uh, whoever saw the boy, too, and was like, you know, because here's what I bet they said. I bet they said, this movie ain't that good, but it's got a bit of flavor. They, he could pull it off. or And maybe they saw The Boy 1, which also has a great third act twist. And they were like, you know what? He could do it. Um, it looks like w- William Brent Bell has also done uh, Stay Alive, which is like that video game horror movie from the mid 2000s. Did you ever hear about that one? They which like, one? It's like about... Uh, um, these uh teens who like get put into a video game i i only saw it once way back in the day but it's like teens a video game into horror a video movie. game it's like some fairly odd parents shit and i'm trying to see if i can remember this what was it called again stay alive produced by mick g really yeah uh, no i can only think of the only gamer movie i can think of is gamer i know right and we we gotta watch this we i, th- I feel like we'd have fun with this movie uh probably I would watch yeah. it with you and I then he also absolutely. he also did a movie in 2012 that i remember it was a january horror movie called the devil inside that i never saw but it was just it was just trashed trashed by critics so badly like i think it's um 
I'm I'm pretty sure it is uh one of the worst rated horror movies of all time. Um, so I'm 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 really I'm really happy for William Brent Bell that he he just bounced back, kept powering on and powered through, made a great movie, and I would I would I would be down for him to stick stick it out and do the sequel. You know, I that's another thing. I was also bummed out that we didn't have uh Jami Collette Sarah do um. Orphan 2 because he's the guy who directed the first Orphan. He also directed House of Wax. Yeah. So he, to me, he's just the the mid 2000s horror king. Um, and I I thought it was a shame that he didn't come back. And so I'm I think it's just another another example of this movie overcoming the odds. Yeah, and it's very 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 worth your checking it out. If for some reason you listen to all of this and you haven't. You should. I don't know if it'll hit quite as hard, but it'll still hit. Absolutely. So I would recommend doing that wholeheartedly. And I'm going to watch Orphan. Sweet. Yeah, I, th- I think you'll like it. It, it. it feels really epic and unique. It has a cool atmosphere to it that I think you'll dig into. And it'll be cool for you to see uh, her play this role as a child. Yeah, the opposite... Um, the opposite vibe, I think, would be very interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah. So so Mitch is not uh, currently with us on account of being in Estonia. So he did get me one thing sent over before everything sort of broke bad for his current situation. Uh, and he did let me know what we're going to watch next week. And we're okay. keeping things on the horror train. Mm. But unsurprisingly, we're going back about 40 years <laughs> He's going to take us back to the past to watch the shitty movies that suck, <laughs> that suck ass, ass, Mitch. <laughs> uh, it actually, you know, we're, we're getting a little cultured here again. But it's not Marty. It's a different boy. We're going to talk about a different prolific filmmaker. Tell me, the, tell me the director first. Let me see if I can parse this out. Yeah. So it's Werner Herzog. Hmm. And a horror movie, hey? I didn't yeah. know he was really a horror guy. He found a way. Okay, yeah, no, I don't know. I carry on. It's similar to one thing that we have watched before with another prolific filmmaker, but we will be watching Nosferatu the Vampire mm. <laughs> from 1979. Right, this is the one with Klaus Kinski, right? Yes. Nice, okay. Uh, in German, the title is Nosferatu Phantom der Nacht or Phantom of the Night. <laughs> Dude, cool. German is the fucking German is the funniest language. <laughs> <laughs> Nosferatu Phantom der Nacht is <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Fuck. Sounds great. Uh, yeah, so that's streaming on Amazon Prime. You don't got to pay 10 bucks for that. Some close Kinski action. What a fucking weird dude that is, eh? <laughs> What a guy. Yeah, I'm sure I, I don't even know the half of it. So hopefully Mitch gets out of Estonia or we can get him a phone in there or something because I want to hear about it. Yeah, uh, shout out to you to Bruno Gans is in this movie. I'm sure we'll end up talking about him. He's in the movie Wings of Desire, which is like fucking unreal. So uh, speaking of uh, good things that are in German, that's directed by a guy named Wim Fenders. That's a good name. It's a really good name. And... Uh, yeah, so Nosferatu coming up. We'll see if it can top Dracula as the ultimate movie about Draculas. Right, right, right. Like top uh, the Ford Coppola Dracula. Yes, correct. Yeah. 
Yeah, or top Fright Night Part Two as best vampire movies on this podcast. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, dude, that movie's so good. We vampired around the block every now and again. We vamp. We have vamped. Even last week we vamped. That was a that was a a campy corny man with that drill bit guitar murder weapon, and we vamped. We did. Now we'll vamp in a more true sense. More of a Merriam-Webster's dictionary sense. Yeah. Uh, true to his brand, Mitch isn't here, so he can't plug anything, even if he wanted to. Uh, so I'll just ask Liam if you have anything you want to plug. I'm a film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow. So you can follow along with me as I uh, watch movies and as rate them. Uh, <laughs> my username is Graham the Mallow. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mr. Corey Price. If you'd like to listen to the other podcasts I do, which are MK PodQuest with our friend Neil, which is about Mortal Kombat ephemera and stuff, or Strat 2 with uh, our friend Callum about Formula 1, you can go to MortalKombatConquest.ca and they're all going to be there. And um, with all that out of the way, thank you all once again for listening to this episode of They Made Another One. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at They Made Another, which is all one word, and on Letterboxd at TMAO. You can find episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, and everywhere else as they made another one. You can reach us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and how long you think you could conceivably convince a family that you're their long-lost child even though you're an adult. (laughs) I bet you for me and you, the answers are different than for Mitch. Why is that? He just looks older than us. I right, hinted like he would, at the beginning of the episode. Right. He would have a much harder time selling somebody that he's a child on account of the beard or mustache that he likely has at the time. I think so, yeah. Yeah, whereas like, I don't know, we take a piercing out and like probably cut our hair and like we're not doing too bad. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, cool. We could be part of your family right now and you wouldn't even know <laughs> a master of disguise Um, our fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jade Dickinson you can find on Instagram at Jade Sketches and with all that out of the way we're going to talk about vampires next week on They Made Another One